All right, here we go. Uh, we're going to do another one of these, folks. Uh, the last one, the podcaster panel on Rock Docs, went really well with Eric and Brad and Ben. And so I thought, well, let's hurry and do another one while the uh, topics are fresh and uh, lively in my mind. And so the goal here, as I mentioned before, is to bring on three other podcasters who may or may not even have anything to do with each other. Um, and so we all kind of cover or come from various, you know, interests or likes in terms of music and on different like popularity spectrums. You know, we want the big guys and the little guys so that everybody we, we're all just kind of feeding into our community here and giving back and turning other people on to other podcasts. And so this is a very specifically hand selected group here for the topic of rock books and I will explain more why in a minute. But let's start with BJ Cramp from the Rock and or Roll podcast. Everyone knows BJ, I hope. Say hello, BJ. Hello, hello. And uh, then we have Jason Bakken, Bako, from Covers and Fire. Say hello. Hey, John. Hey, BJ and Lane. Hey. And then we have, uh, we have kind of a newbie. We brought on Lane Hewitt from the Melody Motel podcast. Say hello, Lane. Hi, guys. Uh, now... There are reasons why I reached out to each one of you. Uh, the main one of the main reasons I reached out to Lane is because Lane is a school teacher. Tell us a little bit more about what you do, and the reasons you do them are why I thought you would be a good fit for a for a podcast on books. Okay, well, I have taught high school English for fifteen years. Um, right now, I teach a dual credit college class. I teach um, AP language. English 12 journalism. Mm. I believe that covers it. Yeah, that's that's what I'm doing right now. I teach at a small high school in southern Indiana. And, um, you know, of course, I'm a big reader and I'm I'm a sucker for rock books. I've read hundreds of them over the years. I've forgotten more probably than <laughs> than most people have read. Um, but uh, yeah, you know, I, I like my job a lot. It's it's really challenging right now because we're doing the distance learning thing and and nobody really likes that very much. And the seniors don't get to graduate and that kind of thing. But uh, but yeah, you know, I've, I've always been a big reader and um, a huge music fan. I probably know more about music than I do English literature, honestly, but don't tell my coworkers <laughs> that. But they may they may already realize that. But uh, but uh, yeah. Yeah, I, I love to read rock books, and I've I've done a, read a ton. Cool. I just realized, Lane, that if I were still in high school in Southern Indiana, you would be my teacher for probably two or three different classes. I would have been one of those kids, the journalism student, the English student, yeah, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, interesting. I try I try to share my musical tastes with the kids when I can because you know I feel like if you can be yourself with them and they see you as a person that they're a little bit more likely to sort of buy what you're selling mm -hmm. them academically. And so I, I try to slip the music in when I can, but um, they're usually just completely befuddled by any music that I play them. And unless it's something they've already heard a million times. Yeah, I could see that. Um, Baco, I want to go to you for a minute. I when before I started recording, we were all joking about you being just the hard rock and heavy metal guy, <laughs> and the rest of us being so much more diverse in our tastes. Yeah, <laughs> I, I am curious if uh, if if you're one of these people like Lane just described, who will read just about any rock book on any subject. Um, 
you know, I, I, my, my collection of books is probably going to support your point than any argument I would come I up with. I knew it. But I, knew uh, it. I definitely, one of my top three, unless one of you guys take it, is, I would say, outside of hard rock. I, there, you know, there's plenty of stuff I like that that's um, not hard rock or metal. Um, and I think my, I, if, if that's fair, but uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, our show is definitely hard rock and metal kind of centric for the most part, but we even branched out of that a little bit. To me, I just like good music, but that, that is definitely my bread and butter. So guitars, drums, bass, and singing, if, if that's involved and it's good, that, that is kind of, you know, where my true, you know, center is. But, you know, I'll, I'll branch out into some lighter pop or certain country, things of that nature, a little bit of blues, but but for the most part, yeah, it's probably 80-20. Okay. I still I like, a... if it's okay, I'd, I'd still like to take that comment personal, though. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm lacking some uh... chips on my shoulder. <laughs> you haven't said anything so far to convince me that you're any less diverse than I thought you were before we started talking. <laughs> so, uh, so oh, far, so challenge good. Challenge accepted. Speaking, speaking of which, uh, so I met Eddie Trunk one time, and um, I uh, really wanted to ask him if there was any music outside of what we know him for that he's equally as passionate about. And um, I didn't. I ended up asking him something about Billy Squire. So since you're the next best thing, Daddy Trunk, here, Baco, what uh, what music would shock us that you are almost equally as passionate about as you are the hard rock and heavy metal stuff? Is there, like, are you a big Madonna fan or whatever, whatever it might be? Um, I could make a mixtape that would probably be a little surprising. I was I was asked this same question on the Decibel Geek last week. Mm -hmm. And the one thing I came up with then is that I went through a little bit of a gangster rap phase. And I don't mean as far as like getting into the the lifestyle, but the music only. Um, <laughs> I still love Doggy Style by Snoop Dogg. I, I'll oh. pull that record out and front to back. I'll just play it from beginning to end. And uh you know, it, it actually spiced up a conversation at work. You know, I mean, is it okay to say the N-word if you're just singing? You know, it's <laughs> lyrics. And we came up with no. No, it's still not yeah, okay. Yeah, probably but, not. <laughs> probably even not. Even in a karaoke sense. But yeah, that, that's a good example. But I also, um, man, I, I, I like, uh, like, early to mid-90s country. There's a lot of the more popular upbeat songs, typically. But like Clay Walker, I like John Anderson a lot. Um, trying to think of some of the artists that I bought more than one CD from, you know, from that era. Uh, Clint Black was was fun for me. Um, and and looking back at the time, I kind of rejected it because he was so huge. But I actually like a little Garth Brooks. Mm. Interesting. I've never paid any attention to uh, any country music from after like 1980, and uh, I just assumed I would hate it. But haven't going back to lane lane did this series recently on kind of obscure country of like the 80s maybe a little bit of the 90s i don't remember and i loved every song i heard and i was realizing context says a lot if you've got a friend who is you know sharing a mixtape with you saying i think you would like this it's a totally different thing and uh, i really did i liked everything lane played in those episodes so anyway i'm gonna have to dive deeper now bj let's get to you i have a question for you you um famously like work in a in a warehouse and you listen I'm, to podcasts. I'm famous for that. Yeah, uh -huh. in my in my house you are. And, oh, right. uh, and uh, oh, you know uh, the warehouse guy. Right. And did a whole documentary on you about that. That's right. And uh, you are constantly listening to uh, podcasts while you're at work to pass the time. 
And it, for some reason, you don't listen to them sped up, which I still don't understand. But do you listen to about as many audiobooks while you're at work as you do podcasts? Yeah, I listen to a lot of audiobooks, but not usually music related. Oh, really? Either uh, novels or true crime. <laughs> okay. What I listen to, yeah. Okay. But I assume you've read a bunch of rock books in your oh, life. Oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah, a lot. Yes. Yeah. Do you want to talk a little bit about the rock book you're currently writing? <laughs> um, sure. Yeah. Well, I'm, yeah, I'm working on a book about Cheap Trick and I, it's a lot of work and it's very hard and yeah. it's a lot of pressure. And especially when you have a full-time job, you know, if I could work on just the book, mm-hmm. the number of hours I spend at, you know, my famous warehouse job, then <laughs> it'd be a different story. But yeah. yeah, 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 I guess I have a, I've, what I've learned is the research is a lot more fun than the writing. So I could see that. Yeah. So I keep dragging out the research longer and longer. I mean, I just had a phone call uh, two days ago, another interview. I just keep interviewing people, which I think is part of the um, stalling process of actually probably finishing the writing. But yeah, it's, um, it's a lot of work, yeah. but it's, it, it's also a lot of fun and it, there's a lot of journalism involved. You know, mm-hmm. it's, a lot of it feels like journalism, which, you know, John, we've talked about that before. We both, I started out as a journalism major mm-hmm. in college and, uh, and I believe you did too. So we've talked about that. Yeah. And so, yeah, and so did I, I realized, I realized maybe that was my calling now mm-hmm. that I've done the journalistic type work I've done for this book. And I've really loved it, tracking people down, figuring out who people are and how to find them and how to get them on the phone uh, is a fun challenge and it really pays off. It could really, it's, you know, there's a big payoff when you get, when you get on the phone with that person and they start talking and you hear the quotes you're going to use in the book and stuff like mm-hmm. that. That's a, that's a big rush. So I've really enjoyed that part of it a lot. Um, I'm curious about something. So last night I was watching a documentary on prime called misery loves comedy and it's this documentary that Kevin Pollack, the actor comedian, made with other com- interviewing other comedians about whether you need to be miserable in order to be funny <laughs> or be in comedy. Mm-hmm. And it was it started out really, really interesting. There's lots of great uh, comedians in here, but eventually it felt like it was just going on forever. And I wondered, and it was I wondered if part of that was because he had so many he had access to so many fantastic people that he must have felt in some ways like he needed to include you know, equal snippets maybe of all of them, you know? And I wonder in the editing, I wonder if you feel that way. And I was thinking about you while I was watching it because I was wondering, you know, I know how many interviews you've done and I wonder if you feel a responsibility to include everything, not everything, but a little bit from every single person you've ever interviewed just to be fair and like thank them for their time. Or do you think, I can pare this down and I'm just going to, I got some ideas from this person, but I don't need to actually quote them. How do you edit this in your mind as you go? Yeah, no, that's true. I've done, you know, too many interviews where I got almost nothing for the book, but Mm -hmm. that's the thing. You never know what you're going to get. So got to try to talk to everybody. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I just, I told you about the guy I talked to last week who worked for Epic Records and uh, I didn't get anything from, for Mm -hmm. the book from him. But then he tells me that he was sitting at the table when Ozzy bit the head off the dove. <laughs> and it was worth talking to him just to hear that, you yeah. know. Yeah. 
yeah. even though I didn't really get any information for the book uh, out of him, it was still great, you know, so. Yeah, okay. Lane, what about you? I mean, you're obviously steeped in this more than the rest of us at this point. Well, as far as a job goes, have you ever considered writing a book, writing a rock book specifically? And if you did, who would you write about? I would love to. And um, the one that I've thought of more than anything else is uh, the Jayhawks. Ah, that would be good. I think, mm -hmm. I think that would make a good book. Um, I guess what made me think that originally was um, they were the first band that I ever heard come clean about how horribly in debt they were to the record company. Mm. And what a huge weight that was on them and how it just it made being in a band almost not worth it anymore. They they were all just miserable because they owed something like one hundred and twenty thousand dollars to the record company that they were never, ever going to pay off. Um, and that really stuck with me. And then there was a lot of interband turmoil after that. And Gary Lewis, who's still the the linchpin of the band and currently in the you know, the going lineup of the band um, had a lot of substance abuse problems. And, um, you know, not that I want to write a book that just digs up a bunch of dirt like that. But I thought, you know, between that and just their place within the Americana genre and how important they were, I thought that would make a great book. And it just seems like it would serve sort of an underserved reading population. I don't know if there are many books out there just on bands like them there are a lot of americana books that sort of uh, cover a wide range but mm. um but i think there would be an audience for that book i guess is what i'm trying to say okay i think you're right i uh i mean they are uh, i don't know of any other book out there on the jayhawks not a good one anyway and mm -hmm. they have an interesting and compelling enough story that i think you could do that really well that'd be a good one i wanted to write a guided by voices book but i didn't and now there's two so <laughs> yeah, I'm yeah. I'm screwed there, but uh <laughs> yeah. I love the idea of a cheap has, has there ever been a cheap trick book? Yeah, there's a there's one that came out in the, in the late 90s. But my book is focusing just on the early part of their career. Uh he uh -huh. you know trying to tackle the entire story is just beyond my uh capabilities and time constraints. Uh -huh. But yeah, so I'm Yeah, but yeah, there was one in the late 90s that was out of print for a long time, sold for lots of money. They've done a couple of other printings of it since then, but it's currently out of print. So Right. Well, I mean, if I have to ask you that question, that means there needs to be another one. Yeah, <laughs> good point. What about you, Baco? If you could write a book on any music-related person or subject, what do you think you would cover? I actually have a book that's written that's largely just needs to be finished editing. Um, really? And, yeah, uh, I didn't know we we're gonna... <laughs> I didn't know that. that that's an added bonus. Awesome. Well, Tell us about it. It's um basically it, it's trying to expose or it's anecdotes from my own efforts to to become a rock star. Um and what the the kind of thematic um message behind it is that I learned a lot of stuff that people probably could have just told me you know but every interview you read growing up is like just get out play shows hopefully you get discovered and you, you learn pretty quick not, not don't get me wrong it's pretty obvious there's more to it than that but they literally go from that to being now i'm huge mm -hmm. there's all this these steps in the way so i thought it'd be fun to kind of i don't know comedically look at all the missteps uh of my own experiences and, and just poor decisions 
and 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 try to you know share that with the idea that like you know uh it, it the problem is that like now the music industry has changed so much i started writing it about 11 years ago and i finished it maybe five years ago and it uh everything's changed so much that i'm not sure i almost have to like rewrite the ending uh mm-hmm. just to kind of you know give a different synopsis of what i think if i have any advice this would is what it would be but yeah the, the book is called um does this guitar make me look fat uh how to fail at rock and roll. <laughs> that's genius. I didn't even realize that. Oh, that's great. I, uh, you know, I was curious. We're going to name drop a few of our favorite books before we get to the actual countdown of our top three favorite. I don't know if they're going to be top three, but top three books we want to tell the, the listeners about. One of my favorite rock books ever is Jacob Slichter's So You Want to Be a Rock and Roll Star. That He's the drummer for Semisonic. I don't know if you guys have read this. But it's That's basically... On my list too. Okay, so yeah, it's a perfect warts and all. Like, this is what... It, you describing what you were talking... Uh, your book, Baco, made me think of this. That it's a perfect warts and all of like, this is what it actually takes mm-hmm. to sell records to get promoted to get signed to shoot a video whatever it might be and um i love that book i've read it twice i had him on the show to talk about it i don't think he liked me very much it didn't (laughs) go like super well but uh anyway i i love that book has anyone else read that it sounds like a few of you guys have read that one oh Oh, yeah yeah long okay went a long time ago but Yeah. yeah okay well, uh, like how many times we've we heard the Guns N' Roses story and uh, there's so many of these situations, but it's just like they're portrayed as these guys who are homeless, but just really good. Mm-hmm. And they were also, <laughs> you know, babysat by David Geffen. Uh, you know, the his dad painted album covers for Lionel Richie, you know, slash his mom was a des- costume designer for bands. Right. You know, so. And that, you know, it's like, you know, it's the, the best <laughs> yeah. analogy I heard from one of uh, uh, a local guy here, Bryn Arns, that I talked to is like, if you want to be a coal miner, you go to the coal mine. And I, it's as simple as that seems. It's like, yeah, you, you go to Los, you go to Los Angeles or you go to New York if you want to get into uh, music, maybe Nashville if it's country. But even Nashville's kind of brought it in out now. So mm-hmm. yeah. that kind of sensibility. Yeah, I agree. I um that's, I guess, the thing that I've, not that I ever wanted to be a rock star, but when you, it feels overwhelming to me that if I did, I don't even know where you would go from podcasting to what the next level would be, but it, whatever it is, it sounds like you'd have to move to LA, you know, or New York, like you said, to do something, to host something, to be on something, to write something, to know the right people. And I don't want to do that. And so, um, there's just always a barrier there. I guess. I'm curious, uh, BJ, do you have specific authors that you seek out? I mean, are there, I don't even know if there's a particular author that writes better music books than other authors, but do you know of one? No, not really. I mean, the, okay. the author, the author I have the most books by is Martin Popoff, but that's just because of mm. my specific <laughs> interests, my, yeah. you know, the kind of music that I'm the most. That very into. narrow yeah. uh, group of song, music you like, so. Right. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Do you um do you find a difference between reading someone's autobiography and reading their biography? Cuz I have some feelings about that. Hmm. Yeah. Um a lot of autobiographies you're not really sure what to believe mm-hmm. and there's definitely 
I, you know, you're not, you don't feel like you're going to get the full story most of the time. Mm-hmm. You know, like all four members of Kiss have autobiographies, and I don't believe any of them. <laughs> <You know? laughs> um, so they're entertaining, but you know that there's some of them are embellishing and some of them are leaving a lot of stuff out. But you just knowing as much as I know about Kiss, and you read those four books, and you're not really satisfied with any of them, you know. For different reasons, but but yeah. then you get like Keith Richards' book or Pete Townsend's book. There's some that are great, you know. I haven't read either of those yet, and I want to. What about you, Lane? Are do you notice a difference in I don't know uh, quality or enjoyable enjoyability in a uh, uh, biography versus an autobiography? I think I probably prefer biographies because with so many autobiographies I've read, I feel like the the writer who's a rock star or musician does not have a good sense of what is interesting about their own story. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you get the first half of the book is going to be about their childhood. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you're going to hear about how they had to, you know, find a dime to go to the drugstore to get a gumball and, you know, all that, you know, hard scrabble stuff. And then the last third of the book is going to be about their wife that came along and saved them from drug addiction. Mm-hmm. Um, and then somewhere in the middle is going to be a little bit of the stuff about the actual creation of the music that you're interested in. Mm-hmm. So um, that's why I don't like autobiographies as much just because they, you know, they're, they're musicians, they're not journalists, you know, and they don't, they're, they're not trained to look at a story and say, Oh, okay, here's what's intriguing or here's what I can bring an interesting perspective to that we haven't heard before. Yeah. Yeah. I guess the, the difference would be, I'll read a biography about a band that I'm not incredibly interested in, but I'm only going to read an autobiography of somebody that I'm really interested in and Mm. a big fan of for the most part you know interesting because yeah biographies are going to have a lot more details about the kinds of things that as music fans we want to read about yeah uh it's interesting you say that i was thinking one of the books i wrote down a couple that were really disappointing for me and one of them is billy idol's dancing with myself uh autobiography and it's because of kind of what we were just talking about he first and foremost a lot of the Anyone's biography that, I mean, don't we all kind of want to skip over the whole beginning part about absolutely? You get 10 10 pages, baby. If you can't fit it in there, move on. (laughs) Right. Sometimes it's interesting. I thought John Lennon's book, uh, The Backstory, but it was told that that wasn't an autobiography. But uh, yeah, for the most part, I I almost just kind of breeze through it to see if there's any names I recognize and get to where they're starting to do something. Yeah, I had this. So it's funny. My wife gave me the John Lennon book. I think it's called My Life um, that came out. I don't know how many years ago. She gave it to me for Christmas and I'd been dying to read this book. And she actually got to it before I did. And um, she said, and maybe you can confirm this, uh, so much of it, way too much of it was spent on the early years and the upbringing and all the stuff that you're less interested in. And so it kind of, it kind of, froze me on dying to read that book. I still don't, ha- it's sitting on my, it's been sitting on my nightstand for five or six years now. And I haven't read it because I'm like, I don't know if I want to, it's a big book. I don't know if I want to read that much about, you know, his growing up and all that kind of stuff. 
the book I read was called The Lives of John Lennon. Uh, uh, from the 80s. Okay. And it does detail a lot of his relationship with his parents and stuff. That uh, in that, there's only a couple instances. I, I thought Paul Stanley's book, talking about his childhood, yes. was uh, somewhat interesting. Yeah, I was um, bring So that, that one and, yeah. and the John Lennon one I, I enjoyed. But for the most part, you know, honestly, if, if I didn't read the part of, in Slash's book about you know, basically hanging out with David Geffen while, or having David Geffen babysit him. <laughs> you know, I, I don't know that I got anything out of that other than the outrage of like, oh, come on. Yeah, yeah. of course. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, just, just work hard and uh, also know David Geffen personally. <laughs> was the, um, right, that doesn't hurt. Um, was the um, the Lennon book that you read, was that the one that insinuated that he was bisexual or something and it got... Yeah, that's, there's some of that in there. Okay, yeah. yeah, and it got all that negative press back. I remember when that came out. That was a big deal. Um, yeah, I was going to say about the Billy Idol one. This is another trope that comes up sometimes is uh, Billy Idol has been through rehab and uh, is supposedly clean or more clean than he was back in his heyday anyway. And so everything was being filtered through the lens of like apologizing for uh. having been a drug addict at one point. And uh it's like, dude, you're Billy Idol. We know that your life was crazier than this. Don't, you don't have to say, yeah, I really screwed that up. I was on drugs. And it's like, you don't need to color every story you ever tell with that, you know, subtext on it. We just let us enjoy it. We know that you're a madman. We want to hear these stories. Don't apologize for them. You know, I really didn't enjoy his, his uh, book that much. It was kind of a letdown. There are some, though, that are really, when the author gets it, um, there's one that I'm going to throw out there. It's one of my favorite autobiographies I've ever read. I'm pretty sure none of you have read it. It's by Midger, the guy from Ultravox, and who co-wrote Do They Know It's Christmas and put on Live Aid and all that kind of stuff. And uh, it's called If I Was. And it is. it was written a few years ago, so it's back then they still made money on their music. And so he was like, you know, I'll never be a part of one of those 80s package tours because that's a sellout move you don't have to do that and now he does that those things all the time i'm sure they all do because they have to because they make some money but um it was a really brutally honest look at himself and his mistakes and his life and uh i loved that book i don't one thing i think um i'm finding is that uh and this is a question i wanted to throw out to you guys do you like reading are you like something that kept coming up in the rock doc conversation I was having is that we'll pretty much watch a movie on anything because we just like, you know, mainlining music information is a book. Does a book have the same appeal to you that way? Or does it feel like too big of an investment to read about something that you're only so, so about? I'll start with BJ. Uh, it just depends, mm -hmm. I guess if it's an interesting story, but it's an artist that I'm so, so about, you know, I'm not really thinking of an example offhand. I mean, I'm, I'm not I'm not a big Guns N' Roses fan, but I've read a couple of Guns N' Roses books because they're really interesting to me. Mm -hmm. Even though I'm not much of a fan, that much of a fan of of their music, I think they're the probably the most overrated band ever. But uh, but I do read those <laughs> books because they're interesting, mm -hmm. you know. So yeah, I'm guessing though. I. I kind of the crux of my point was that I bet we would be more willing to watch a documentary on some band we were so-so about than read an entire book about them. Um, maybe I'm the only one like that. Lane, what about you? 
I'm the same way. Um, I just watched the ZZ Top documentary mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. really enjoyed it. And I really don't like ZZ Top, mm-hmm. um, you know, but it just it popped up. I clicked on it and it was really good. And um, those guys were so funny and engaging. I mean, I, I ended it liking ZZ Top a lot better than I I, I liked the guys. ZZ Top, I like the guys. Uh-huh. I like the band members. I don't know if I like the music anymore. Mm-hmm. Um but at this point in my life, I mean, reading a book is a lot bigger time investment. And so many of the books that I'll probably mention in this conversation, I read between the ages of 18 and 30, probably. Mm-hmm. And now I'm 44. Um, once I got married, had a kid, got a really time-consuming career going, then my my book reading, unfortunately, really curtailed. So at this point, I have to... Um, really decide whether I want to devote my time to it or not. Yeah. I'm curious, when does everybody read? When does everyone make time to read? Let's start with you, Baco. Do you read, uh, do you read before you go to bed? Do you listen to audiobooks on your commute to work? When do you find time to read? You know, uh, just typically in the evening, um, uh-huh. sometimes on the weekend, if the weather's nice and I got nothing going on, I might sit on the back porch with, you know, I don't know, a book or something like that. Uh, I don't read anywhere near as much as I used to. And, and I would probably say 90% of the last decade, any reading I've done was rock related of, of mm-hmm. some sort. Um, there's been a couple, I don't know, there was, <laughs> there was an Andrew Jackson book I enjoyed. <laughs> mm, <laughs> but, right. you know, for the most part, it's, it's that kind of stuff. I used to read fiction when I was younger, but you know, if you don't mind, John, I'll go back to your, your initial question just before yeah, this. Please. I will. I, a lot of like the, the books that I read, um, I read when I was in my teen years and because, you know, I didn't grow up in the age of YouTube or, or, you know, where you could kind of find out the stuff. So when I started liking a band, but I didn't have the money to go out and buy all the music, um, like Led Zeppelin and The Doors came to mind. Come to mind. I read both of their books, uh, The Hammer of the Gods and No One Here Gets Out Alive. And it educated me a lot on the history of just these bands. Um, mm-hmm. and, and so in that sense, it I was probably I probably would have read the book and watched any documentary on it. Biopics in general. I, I think are complete garbage mm-hmm. um, and they almost have to be like the dirt bad to be enjoyable mm-hmm. uh, because I, I, when we take them seriously, I, I, it's always kind of pisses me off and get a little insulting. Like I thought Bohemian Rhapsody was just as bad as fucking any other one I've seen. Uh, what was the <laughs> other one that got a lot of, a lot of uh, pub uh, co- straight out of Compton. Uh, Everybody talked yeah. about, Oh, this is, this is a great, you know, no, it, 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 this is just as demeaning, and they, they, they portray musicians in a way that I always found insulting. It's just not believable. There might be some believable performances, but for the you know as a package, they just gloss over shit way too fast. They go fast and loose with the facts, and then they say, who cares, it's just a movie. Well, then why call the band Queen? Why not change Freddie Mercury's name? Why do you need any of these details if none of them are, or, or you can just cherry pick which ones aren't important? So, yeah. enough of that diatribe. I love a good documentary. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I, I like, uh, if I really like a band, I'll, I'm more likely to go to the book and read multiple books on them, even if they come out. So. Mm. Okay. Um, what do you think? What you talking, BJ, about the kind of the structure of your of your cheap trick book? Um, it reminds me of, like, for instance, our buddy Greg Renoff's book on Rising Van Halen Rising is sort of covering those early days because covering it all would be a you know a lot to chew on. Another book that comes to mind is um, is Joe Jackson's book, and I'm suddenly blanking on what it's called. Um, 
I love Joe Jackson. I used to think it was called uh, Stranger Than Fiction, but it's not. Cure for Gravity? I don't remember. But anyway, it covers up until his first album, you know? Mm-hmm. And um, sometimes that... that Now, it's different in Greg's case because he's telling the history of a band, um, of the early days of the band. But if it were the band itself that was only covering like the early days, the part that we just sort of established that we don't get as excited about... Are there any kind of tropes like that within a rock book or music related book that kind of bug you? Maybe we've already touched on them with like the too much on the growing up, too much on the rehab, too much on the end. What do you think? <clears throat> Parts of rock books that bug me. Um, yeah. Is there anything yeah. like that? I don't know. It's just being let down. I mean, a lot of times they're a let down. Mm. Uh, what are like, some that have let you down? Well, like the kiss there's a kiss book called behind the mask and they <laughs> there's this idea that they're gonna they have they talk about every song on every album and then when you get to that part it's a lot of it's just a complete letdown i was so excited about that part of the book but then you know you just don't get any information i think ace really talked about one song from his solo album and it was a meaningless quote you know um or else you know the one book that really let me down was called Shake Some Action, The Ultimate Power Pop Guide ah. uh, by John Borak. And it's... I'm Facebook friends with him. Yeah, I'll so tell I... him you hate his book. <laughs> well, well, it's... Uh, for, somebody, for somebody who's really into power pop, it's just stating the obvious. Mm. All it is is... And it's most of the best uh, power pop stuff, in my opinion, is missing because it's obscure. <laughs> And so that kind of thing drives me nuts, uh, you know, what it's supposed to be. When it's called the ultimate power pop guide, and it's far, 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 far from it, mm-hmm. <laughs> that's annoying. So, okay. Lane, are there any books you've read that have been disappointing for you? I'm sure there have been, but I probably just forget about them. Um, st- the... I was talking earlier about Guided by Voices because that's my favorite band. The first book about them was called Hunting Accidents, and it was written by Jim Greer, who was a spin journalist who was married to Kim Deal of the Mm. Breeders, who became connected to Guided by Voices through both of them living in Dayton and uh, recording together and so on and so forth. And then Bob and Kim got infatuated with each other and had an unrequited romance and and so on and so forth before their big, you know, Mm. flame out. But anyway, um, Greer ended up joining the band as a bass player, Mm. um, which is a weird dynamic to be a journalist writing about a band because he kind of broke them in spin magazine in the early nineties. And so he ends up joining the band as a bass player and his book was all over the place. I mean, I enjoyed it and I read it more than once just because I was starved for a book about my favorite band, but I was definitely let down. It, it wasn't, it wasn't the book I wanted because it jumped around in time and, and, um, was very sort of impressionistic and didn't talk about him being in the band at all, which I thought would have been a very interesting thing to talk about at least a little bit, that perspective. And um, so, yeah, that that one was kind of a letdown, even though I'm, you know, I'm glad I'm glad the book's out there. But the second book that came out on them, which was um, Closer You Are by Matthew Cutter, is a lot more conventional autobiography, but I, I like it a lot better. Okay. 
What about you, Baco? What's let you down? Uh, Gene Simmons' book. The, he was the first of the four <laughs> to put it out there. I didn't even finish it when when he. Um, you just basically got like three chapters on him uh, banging Diana Ross and, and, and <laughs> meeting meeting her children, and then he talks not like I don't even think he did a whole paragraph on music from the Elder or Vinnie Vincent. Two of the most interesting times of of, of that band, and I was just like. That one really fucking sucked. Uh, Ozzy's book was garbage too. Um, I, I don't think Ozzy's aware Jakey e. Lee was in the band for two of his records. Uh, it just um, those are big ones that stick out that I go to. Uh, Ace, you know, I don't know. I, I'm a huge Kiss fan, so I have a ton of Kiss books. Um, BJ mentioned Behind the Mask. I echo his sentiments on that. The first part of the book was kind of fun. Uh, the, the, those those song breakdowns were garbage. Um, but what, what about that book? Nothing to lose BJ. That one got a lot of praise from diehards when it came out, which made no sense to me when I got it, because it was like, if you're a huge fan of the kiss, here's 400 pages of shit. You already know. Mm. It's like Paul and Jean just regurgitating the same shit uh, that they've always done. You know, it was just, it was pointless. I don't know. Yeah. I enjoyed it more than behind the mask, but you know, you're not going to get a, a book that the guys from Kiss are involved in that isn't a letdown because they're yeah. not going to they're not going to tell the whole story. They're just not. So uh, I liked Paul's book. I liked Peter's and even Ace's was OK. Paul's book, like you said, the part about Paul's childhood was fascinating. And that was the best part of the book, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. and uh, oh, but it's him, because him it was back at Peter was great. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and for those who are, haven't read them, Peter kind of takes a lot of shots at Paul in his book. It, and it, it seemed like Paul was waiting to write his last simply to have the last word, uh, because you know Paul or Peter implies Paul's gay in his book, and uh, Paul just basically do- doesn't waste too many chances to talk about how Peter, you know, can't read. He doesn't know what a chorus in a song is, <laughs> and all these things that aren't re- we can factually find out aren't really true. In Peter's book, I, I mean, there's just things in there that are just—it's a real fun, quick read, which is, is helpful, but. When you weren't there and you know he's lying, it's that's kind of my summary of Peter's book. Yeah, Peter's and- book is a work of fiction. But you know, you said uh, <laughs> Paul said that that Peter can't read. Well, do you have Lydia Chris's book? Because if you see the postcards that he wrote her, I think that's close to accurate. <laughs> <laughs> that's the one I keep wanting to get every time. I'm oh, close, that book I'm like, is ah. great. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Cool. Okay. Uh, I jotted down some that I was disappointed with in two, and I and one of these I feel really guilty saying this because I had him on the show to talk about it. But Lowell Tolhurst of the Cure wrote his autobiography a couple years ago called Cured, and I'm a huge Cure fan. But his was kind of falling in line with that the Billy Idol thing too, where he's been through rehab, and so everything is an apology, and everything is you know I know better now, and I feel bad about this or that. And it, I just didn't want to. I got really tired of hearing that after a while. And then another a couple that I I want to mention. It was uh, a few years ago. I read each member of the Police's book. Boy, yeah, Andy Summers' uh, last trip. I don't remember what his is called. And then oh, I don't remember what any of them are called. And then Stings, and then Stuart Copeland. And um, my favorite member of the Police is Stuart Copeland, and my least favorite would have been Andy Summers. But that would be reversed in terms of their books. Wow. Andy's was the most kind of engaging and uh he came across the best i thought sting came across like sting and wants to talk (laughs) about jazz more than you want to listen to and then stewart summarized his entire 
I purposely summarized his entire career in the police on one page. And it was, <laughs> and he did it on purpose. And it was a list, you know, join the band, recorded an album, played a show. And it's listed just like that. Broke up, recorded, you know, went and did something else. The rest is basically all these other jazz groups that he's in. And uh, it's like, man, that is exactly not what anyone wants from your book, Stuart Copeland. So I'll, I'll skip that book, but th that's a band that I'm not that into that I would actually be interested in here reading the story. So I'll probably check out the other two. Yeah. Uh, Stings is, you know, Stings is a little better, but um, yeah, Andy's I think is probably the best of the three. None of them are great, but Andy's is the best of the three. Um, okay. One, I want to ask you guys about audiobooks. I um I'm fairly new to audiobooks. I don't listen to too many audiobooks. And uh, but there are some books that I hear are better suited to an audio to listening to them than reading them. For instance, uh, a few months ago I read Steve Lukather's book. And um, I really liked it, but it had been just praised up and down as being so funny and so interesting and he's so engaging. And I realized that it's, I think the people who were saying that listened to it versus read it, and I read it. And I wonder if any of you have had that experience where listening to a book made it better than it might have been otherwise. Another example is uh, I read Richard Lloyd's book, Richard Lloyd from television, had him on the show famously to talk about it. He decided after 20 minutes he didn't want to talk to me anymore. <laughs> and um, But I read his book twice, uh, audio on, on an audio book and I loved it, but I could tell right away if I were reading this book, it would drive me crazy. He's crazy. And uh, listening to this lunatic tell his story is more interesting than reading about the lunatic telling the story. But anyway, I'm curious if anyone has had an example where an audio book did better for them. Lane, let's start with you. I have never listened to an audio book outside of the school setting. Really? <laughs> huh. Never. Okay. Never. Not not once. I've 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 just never done it. I I don't know why, but I just I never have. Okay. Yeah, I'm new to it too. Like I said, I think I've read two books on audiobook. I'm brand new to it. Uh BJ, what about you? Well, I don't know if I've I've never spent much time listening to an audiobook outside of work, but since I've had a couple of jobs where I could listen to stuff. I've listened to a lot of audiobooks, a lot, uh, but almost always at work. Um, sure. But as I, like, something I'm going to listen to at work, I the best, the ideal thing is to get lost in it and forget about time. You want to look up at the clock and go, holy shit, it's already whatever, you know? Right, and right. Uh, a lot of music books aren't really going to have that effect. So, uh, but, you know, we talked about the Paul Stanley book. I listened to that at work, and I listened to the Bruce Springsteen book at work, uh, but those were great to listen to at work. But for the most part, like a rock bio, it's not going to work for me as an audiobook. I'll, I would read it uh, mm. before I would listen to it, probably. Okay. What about you, Baco? Do you have a, any feelings about this? I, I've only listened to the the Paul one. That was at Half Price Books. And as a collector, you know, I saw it for twenty dollars. I'm like, well, I'd already read the book at that point. Um, but I have to admit, the the little I've actually gone back and listened to it, I, I thought it was more enjoyable. Um, yeah. I mean, he comes off just even more petty than when you, you read <laughs> yeah. it, um, which is brilliant because he's, he's uh, he, he read that one's he he reads himself. But uh, do you guys remember? Like, I don't know. It seemed like if I recall right, like it wasn't that long ago, maybe twenty years. I guess that's a long time. But where audiobooks really were reserved for people who couldn't see. Like you, 
mm-hmm. couldn't go into a bookstore and buy them. The Audible obviously didn't exist. And it was kind of this this special thing. Um, I, I remember the library had some, but they, they, I, I don't remember people checking them out. But um, th- whatever. Uh, I don't have a lot of experience like like Lane. That That's the only one that I can really reference uh, with any Interesting. Uh, intelligence. But. Okay. I'm um, just imagining now, I'm just imagining Paul reading the book in Pat Francis's Paul Stanley imitation <laughs> voice. Chapter just 47. Like four, four hours of that. You know what's annoying about it is that like uh, each each um, track is not a chapter. Uh, I think each chapter starts at a track, but you know, I, I take a lot of the audio for our podcast anytime Kiss comes up. And if there's something funny that I can pull out of there uh, with his words, and it, it drives me crazy trying to fucking track down like where does chapter forty six start? But anyway, mm-hmm. Eleven CDs. Yeah. Yeah, I um I, I love that Paul book, by the way. I thought it was a lot of fun. I've read that I've read his and Aces. I haven't read the other two, but um part of the reason I think I love that is because my kids and I stood in line for two and a half hours to wait to see him at the local bookstore here, the tattered cover. And when it was finally our turn to get up, he was very sweet to my kids, and they were just little at the time, but they were all big kiss fans and then we all had our kiss shirts on and he put his arms around him and everything and it was just and my sister my daughter gave him a picture of her dressed up like him for halloween and he probably tossed it right afterwards but he was sweet about it when we <laughs> gave it to him and so that was nice and then also um uh my uh, the same two older kids and i went to the same bookstore to see a to see John Oates, who was really, he was doing a book signing for his autobiography, <laughs> Change of Scenes. And, and he was a sweetheart too. And he's not much taller than my kids. He's like dwarfish. And I don't, <laughs> and I don't mean that as any disrespect to, I guess they're called short people, whatever the political <laughs> term is for dwarves or short people, midget. whatever it is. Midget. Yeah. He's only slightly taller than you guys are. And he's even got some of the like, physical features like the arms anyway he uh oh he boy was, like yeah, he Kanye. Was, are you sure Kanye. you're not gonna edit this john it's, i don't know well it's I, hilarious I, to hear a guy who's like six foot seven talking about <laughs> short people <laughs> as if they're they're not even members of the human race <laughs> anyway i mean this is no disrespect i was just surprised to find out that St- john oates is not that it's not that far. And uh, he put his arms around my kids, too. And my we walked away. And my son goes, Dad, he touched my back. And anyway, that was, uh, that was, a, that was a fun one, too. I wanted to throw those out there. Okay. Um, Can't even call pickles midgets, John. <laughs> I, don't, I hope if there are any um, short people listening, they are not offended. They know that we love them and we're just uh, having fun. Anyway. <laughs> Um, I Did you for, ask I him to do a photo or he got on your shoulders you, or anything? Yeah. I didn't. I should have. <laughs> or let me like cradle him like a baby. Here, John. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Let's get a picture and I'm going to pick you up and I'm going to goof with Gaga, you know? After dealing with Daryl Hall all those years, that would be nothing. I mean, he'd be like, yeah, this is this is fine. I'll do yeah, this. I've heard I'll let you cradle me. <laughs> right. <laughs> John Oates breastfeeding off me. <laughs> <That's it. laughs> 
Uh, anyway, yeah, that was a good one. Um, okay, uh, I think I threw this question out there, and then I don't think I went around, and I intended to. When do you find time to read? Did I already ask you that, Lane? Who did I ask? Baco? You asked oh, you. Yeah. Okay, you yeah, Lane. When do you, you find time? Ask to me. Um, in the evening, sometimes, uh, you know, in bed or something like that, or just after I get papers graded in the evening or something, but, or just, just dribs and drabs here, ever here, wherever I can. Okay. What about you, BJ? Wherever I can steal 10 minutes. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah, exactly. Whenever I have time and having misophonia, whenever someone's not mowing the fucking lawn or something else that drives me nuts, a dog barking, there goes my reading time, Mm -hmm. (laughs) but yeah. Whenever I can. I, um, for many, many years now, I've always read on my lunch hour. So, um, for, uh, for instance, this company I worked at for about five years, they had a lactation room in the office that nobody ever. John Oates. Yeah, right. (laughs) (laughs) That's where I would, John and I would go in there and I'd cradle him. (laughs) Anyway, they had a lactation room that never got used. And, um, so I would always, you know, I usually bring leftovers to work. And so I would go into the lactation room and I'd eat my leftovers and I'd read a book and listen to music in there. And that, uh, that's like my happiest of happy places. You know, when, if I can, whenever I work somewhere, if I can find like a broom closet or some corner where there's nobody or go to another floor or whatever it is, if I can find a spot that's far away from everybody and that's my reading time for an hour. That's my that's my favorite. Um, okay, should we get to our countdown? I can't think of too many other you know topics relating to rock books that um, that we should cover. I think well, we you know, again, should... uh, we've, we've only talked about biographies. Um, is that strictly what oh. we're referring to as a rock book? Or good point. No, I meant to bring that up. No, um, yeah, there are. Um, yeah, that's that's true. I meant to kind of clarify that ahead of time. There are plenty. In fact, my top three books that I'm going to bring up, one's an autobiography, one's a biography and one's on the subject of rock. And so I wanted to kind of parse them out that way on purpose to sort of shed light on all of them. And yeah, let's talk about that. Maybe without listing anything that's on your list. What are some of your favorite books that are not biographies, but they're written about periods of time in music? I'll start. In fact, I'll read off a couple of mine just to get going. One of them is called From the Velvets to the Voidoids, written mm-hmm. by a guy named Clinton Hyland, I think is his name. And it's basically about like the punk scene, the CBGB scene of in New York in the late 70s. And um, it also pulls in Ohio. So it pulls in Devo and Per Ubu, but it's mostly Talking Heads and, and uh, you know, um, Richard Hell and all those kinds of people, Johnny Thunders. I love that book. And I don't know about you guys, but when I'm reading someone's book, I'm usually listening to their music on my iPod or my headphones mm. while I'm reading the book just to kind of cement me in that location. But that was a great, great book about a really interesting time frame, especially when you listen to the music as you go. Um, I'll save a couple more till later. BJ, why don't you start us off? What's uh, What are some books on topics that you really like? Well, you know, one thing I was going to say is so – Having been a music obsessed with music and a record collector before the advent of the internet, resource books used to be hugely important to me, especially like the Trouser Press Record Guides, which there's four different editions of that, and I have three of them. Uh, those were 
you know, before the internet, those were really important to learn about stuff. You know, the internet has changed a lot of the ways you kind of access, you know, information. So uh, yep. some of the most important books to me over the years, you know, in were what I would call resource books more than, you know, um, but, and yeah, then, uh, I don't know, one book that is really fun that's a, about a, a broad topic is Lords of Chaos about the Norwegian black metal weirdos. Ooh, wow. <laughs> it, that's a, a great fun book, you know, suicide, murder, church burnings. Um, but awesome. what's, what's, What's great about it is they were really just a bunch of total dorks. Mm. <laughs> if, you, if you look at it from that perspective, that these aren't scary Satanist guys; they're just fucking nerds, you know. <laughs> uh, right. But it's a really, it's a really fun book. They that and they made a movie, which is actually fun. I know yeah, people I liked have, it. I've, yeah, people hate it. I've seen, but I thought it was hilarious, and I thought they took it from the right perspective. Is that these guys are fucking dorks, you mm-hmm. know? Uh, I thought they were... Rory Culkin nailed a metalhead, yeah. though. Uh, and that, that that's a, right. a role that doesn't get hit too often. Hesher was another one that did a good job of that. Mm. Um, but uh, anyway. Yeah. yeah, that's a really fun movie, but it's also a great book. And you don't have to be, I mean, it's not good music, so you don't have to be interested in <laughs> in the music they made because <laughs> it's mm-hmm. just a bunch of noise. Mm-hmm. But the book is great, you know. Okay. Baka, what about you? Um. Well... Uh, a couple of them land in my top three, but I'm trying to think. You know, I, I, Jizzy Pearl did some fiction books that I enjoyed, um, and, and they're all kind of rock-based and, and that lifestyle, um, but they're all kind of almost like random. It's almost written like an – he almost writes in like a Hunter S. Thompson kind of kind of way where one chapter doesn't necessarily lead into the next one. Um, there isn't like a, a story plot line that, that has to be, you know, um, wrapped up to finish it. Uh, so I enjoyed those. So, Good. What um, about you, Lane? Oh, sorry. Continue. Sorry. That was it. Okay. Lane, what about you? I, I'm just reeling from hearing the name Jizzy Pearl again. I love <laughs> I, I, I love that first Love Hate album. And yeah, I, I saw them open for ACDC when I was in high school and I was right in the front row and they were terrifying. <laughs> they were I they were just a scary scummy rock band yeah. they they had a they had a cross made out of beer cans welded together and <laughs> it was just yeah i love that band um but anyway um the um the one that covers an era actually i'm glad you asked that question because i read a book not too long ago called 1971 never a dull moment mm. by um a british author named david hepworth and he's ah. written several books um another one is called um uncommon people I think the subtitles, The Rise and Fall of the Rockstar, um, and several others, which I haven't read yet. But this 1971 book was very good. Um, I'm not someone who typically thinks a lot about dates and years and things like that. I mean, there were a few years in rock history I can pick out. It's like, oh, yeah, 1966, that was a big year, whatever. Um, But you read this book and you just think everything important that ever happened happened in 1971. You just you can't believe it from chapter to chapter. Oh, this this song came out in 71. This song came out in 71. Um, It's just mind blowing how many things converge and how many important songs and albums came out that year. Um, I did an episode of my podcast on that a few months ago, and I just it was just overstuffed because I just I wanted to play and talk about everything. And um, he's British and he has that British sensibility, the dry wit. 
and he's very smart and really good at bringing in cultural context in a way that enhances the rock stuff. Um, it, it's smart, but not academic and, and really fun to read. So I, I highly recommend that one. Um, so you're kind of, you kind of stole my thunder there because Uncommon People by David Hepworth was going to be one of my top three choices. But since you brought it uh-huh. up, I'll, I'll shelve it and I'll bring in another, I'll pick an, one of my alternates as the top three. But yeah, that, um, I haven't read everything by David Hepworth, but, um, I've just read the Uncommon People book, but I love it. And for anyone who doesn't know you, it's basically taking every year since like rock music or popular culture, uh, existed, taking like the key figure from that year and kind of diving into what they're like, what their personality is like, how they became so big, how they influenced the culture. I loved it. It was, uh, and it was so, it was, you're right, Lane. It's that perfect mix of journalistic where you're learning a lot of things about people you didn't know. Um, and, but totally entertaining as well. And it's kind of juicy and it makes Mm -hmm. you love the music and all this kind of stuff. So I'm with you, David Hepworth. I got it. I think you read, cause I think I posted a picture of the book on Facebook or something, BJ. And you're like, Oh great. Now I got another book I have to read. Have you read a lot of (laughs) David Hepworth's books? Yeah. I I checked a couple of those books out from the library, but I don't think I got very far into them. I'm going to have to get them again. Okay. I didn't, I didn't get around to it when I had them from the library. Okay. So. I uh, the 1971 one sounds amazing, and I can tell you, Uncommon People is amazing for sure. Um, okay. One thing I wanted to, you know, I since maybe this group has, I'm pretty sure at least one or two of these people on this panel right here have ha- have read this book. What about Fargo Rock City? Mm. That yep, um, that's on that, my list. Okay, yeah, it's okay. on mine too. <laughs> oh, okay. Okay, well, then I won't mention it. We'll wait and talk about it later because that was a transformative book for me. And then um, another one is Our Band Could Be Your Life. Is anyone, uh, I know BJ and I were kind of talking about this one. Has anyone else read this book? Yes. Okay. Yeah, that's an amazing book. Yeah. I love it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, um, I didn't pick it uh, as one of my top three because I feel like I've been talking about it a lot lately on some of my, my podcast episodes. But it's, uh, it focuses on, I don't know, a dozen or so bands that made up American alternative rock of the eighties. So there's chapters on the Rembrandt or uh, the Rembrandts, the replacements, (laughs) (laughs) not the Rembrandts, uh, although they're fine. Uh, A chapter on the replacements, chapter on Husker Du, a chapter on the Minutemen, a chapter on Black Flag, a chapter on, you know, all these kinds of bands like that. And um, totally eye-opening, really fascinating to learn about all of them. Yeah, that's an example of a book where I'm not really, I don't really like maybe half the bands profiled True. in the book. Like, I'm not much of a Sonic Youth fan or a Minutemen fan, or but I love reading those chapters and reading those stories, yeah. even though I'm not a huge fan of, of their, their their records, you know? Yeah, so. yeah. Okay. All right. Well, what about now? Should we go to the countdown now? Sure, um, yeah, sure. And we can do good. just do honorable mentions too, right? So Yeah, so let's save the honorable mentions and or alternates for the end because okay. the point of that was that if someone else mentions your book and talks about it, then you can swap that out with something else that was close to making your list, okay? Right. So I'm going to go, I'll start it out. Um, I'm going to go with the autobiography first, and that is Miles Davis's autobiography, just called Miles. 
And um, now I'm not a jazz expert at all. I'm uh, sometimes I have to be in the mood for it. And sometimes I'm in the mood for it and it's just right, but I'm not an expert. I don't go deep on it. I don't like it when I'm not in the mood for it. But Miles Davis is a legend and his autobiography is written in his own words. And it is so fascinating. Plus it's just a lot of like, shit, you know, it's a lot of that kind of thing. Like, <laughs> you know, it's, <laughs> you know, uh, you know, I tap that ass, you know, or whatever. It's a lot of talking like that. It's a, it's a, it's a lot of that. And it's, it's so clearly written in his voice and it is fascinating. Plus you learn, like, I didn't know this, his dad, he came from St. Louis and his dad was a pretty well-to-do dentist. And so Miles Davis came from the South, but he came from, he was like rich and he grew up, you know, uh, comfortably not like a lot of other people in his situation anyway it was a book on miles davis that that was gonna that would be too tempting to get technical on a lot of stuff that i wouldn't care about but listening to miles davis tell his story in his voice was one of the greatest things i've ever read so that's going to be my first one is the autobiography miles by miles davis uh L lane let's go to you what's going to be your first pick my number one is uh, Livon Helm's um, autobiography, This Wheels on Fire, mm -hmm. um, which was written with uh, Stephen Davis, who uh, wrote Hammer of the Gods, and he wrote uh, the Big Aerosmith book and uh, several others that you guys are probably all familiar with. And um, this goes back a little bit on me. I know earlier I was kind of griping and about the books that spend a lot of time on the childhood of the uh, musician, but he does that, but it's fantastic. Mm. Um, and I know he didn't, you know, LeVon Helm didn't write it exactly. I think he probably talked and then Stephen Davis wrote the book. Um, but he comes from, I, you know, I live in Indiana and I'm right on the edge of the South and anything Southern kind of appeals to me. I like, you know, Faulkner and mm -hmm. Southern Gothic stuff like that. And it's, it's like that. Um, mm. but his voice comes through perfectly. It just all sounds like him talking, but it's incredibly vivid and, um, novel-like and um then he goes from that he spends just the just the right amount of time on that just the right amount of time on his early days as a musician playing with ronnie hawkins meeting the other guys um playing behind dylan the band's career their recording touring career the last waltz the big fallout with robbie robertson um the part where the band are kind of reduced to playing, you know, the TikTok in and, and Richard Manuel uh, commits suicide. And um, it's, it's fantastic. And um, I got to interview Levon Helm um, right around the same time that I read it. And I mean, I could just, I could just hear him saying every word. It was just, just perfectly done. I can't yes. recommend that one enough. Okay, cool. I, I forgot to mention, I'm going to cheat a little bit. There were a couple of other, um, autobiographies that I really liked that um, are probably worth a look. One of them's Adam Ants, and it's called Stand and Deliver. I like Adam Ant a lot. And another one is Now Rogers. It's called Le Freak, I believe. Um, I love Now Rogers. If there's any musician or rock star on earth that I could spend the day with just shooting the breeze, it would be Now Rogers. My only beef with that is that he focused, he 
seems to care a lot more about fashion and like what he was wearing and how cool he looked in a club and stuff like that than I do. But anyway, those are a couple honorable mentions in terms of autobiography. What about you, Baka? What's your first pick? Um, for the first pick, I'm going to kind of go local here. Um, it's called Trouble Boys. It's the, the mm. true story of the replacements by Bob Mer. I'm not sure at Mer or Mir. Um, there are not a lot of books on, um, on these guys, but this is a very well done, very thorough kind of career retrospective, kind of a standard auto, uh, or standard biography. But it seems to have the endorsement of the members of the band in the sense that, like, they never really carried themselves with a lot of, I don't know, personal shame or, or this idea that they needed to cover up or hide certain aspects of themselves that may not be the most glamorous. And that all comes through in the book. And the idea that, that like, the artists themselves don't, you know, uh, feel that way, you know, is, is refreshing. Um, I mean, a very, uh, a band that means a lot to me too, just, you know, being not just local, but I, I, their music and the integrity and the way they approached it, uh, mean a lot to me. And, and, and there's people who will pick these guys apart, but to me, one thing you, you can't really criticize them for is staying true to what they, they felt like fucking doing at any given moment. Um, they, they basically sandbag their entire career. It's a fascinating story. Um, every, every time they had a chance to, to kind of break through and they got plenty of opportunities that, that Lord knows that's true. They mm -hmm. did something that would just basically cause everything to implode and, and to hear it and, or to, to read it and, and to get more of the details, not just the rumors that I heard growing up. You know, as a teenager, you know, you know, in a fucking farm town, you don't you don't know what to believe, you know, and then moving up to the 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 the, the, the Twin Cities here where they basically made their mark also kind of hearing these now 15, 20 year old myths. Uh, mm -hmm. But to have it kind of broken down in a more honest way, more detailed and, 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 you know, front to front to back, just a great book. Cool. Good one. I've been meaning to read that book and I haven't done it yet. Uh, OK, BJ, what's your first one? <clears throat> Well, for my three picks, I was thinking more in terms of what I would really recommend that anybody would like to read instead of more just my specific, you know, personal interests. So I tried to think, what are the three books that I recommend to anybody who's going to listen to this? Um, and you know, right now, BJ, you're the early part of the book talking about your childhood. Nobody cares. Move on. <laughs> <laughs> you don't want to hear about my childhood. Um <laughs> Uh, so, uh, one of my picks is called Perfecting Sound Forever by Greg Milner from 2009. And it, it's a, it's the subtitle is Oral History of Recorded Music. So he goes, he starts at the beginning of recorded sound and goes all the way through. So he talks about Thomas Edison a lot, developing the phonograph. And huh. there's a long section about the discovery of Lad Belly and how those kind of folkways recordings happened and stuff. And then... You know, you get the going from mono to stereo and then analog to digital and a lot about the way record production developed. And then he even gets into how CDs, you know, were too quiet and then they went to being too loud. Mm. <laughs> and just it's a very detailed and interesting book that, you know, yeah, it's really interesting to read. Mm. So sounds like it would be so technical, but I guess not. I guess it's really it's really interesting. Huh. Yeah, lots of great anecdotes you know, okay. relating to the history of recorded music and, you know, record production. Yeah. Okay, cool. Okay. Um, now, I already picked my autobiography. I'm going to go with my biography. And this is, um, this is maybe the best nonfiction book I've ever read. And I'm shocked to say this because I don't actually care for 
the subject of these books, but it's uh, the biography of um, Elvis Presley. It's a two-part book. What, part one is called Last Train to Memphis. The second book is called Careless Love. It's written by Peter Guralnik. And um, I don't care really one way or the other about Elvis. I don't listen to his music very often or anything like that. But this is one of the most deeply uh, detailed and uh, researched books I've ever read. And it's almost, I mean, this, I'm, I'm afraid if I say this, you're going to think this sounds terrible, but it's almost like a day by day, just what was going on in Elvis's life by day. And you realize you the trajectory of this guy's life going from this simple guy who wanted to be a star and had star quality to actually being discovered and then to become corrupted the way that he did either through Colonel Parker or just fame or money or women or drugs or whatever it is you're just on this roller coaster ride of a, a fully immersed in this person's life it could be anyone's life it happens to be Elvis Presley's life and then I remember the day he died and I remember reading getting to that part of the book and by now I've invested just hundreds of pages and hours to reading this book. And you realize it's the day that he's going to die. And it, it, you get, it's like eerie. You start getting kind of sad. I've just spent so much time with this person and this is the day that he dies. And it gets kind of, it's just depressing. It's uh, I've never felt anything like it. And again, I can't stress this enough. I don't care one way or the other about Elvis Presley, but this book was fantastic. Uh, these books, I should say, it's, there's two parts covers him going in the military, his the movies, all of it. Um, I don't know. Has anyone read this book or heard about it or had have feel, strong feelings about it? Oh yeah, I've I've read them both. They're great. Okay. Where are you with me that you don't necessarily have to be a fan of Elvis to find these books interesting? Yeah, I'm not a massive fan of Elvis's music, but his uh, place in history is yeah. so important that it just for that alone, you know. Yeah, I agree. Um, okay, so that's going to be my that's my second pick. Let's go to you, Lane. Okay, my second pick would be "Unknown Legends of Rock and Roll" by Richie Unterberger. Mm. Um, I used to work at an art museum uh, in security, and uh, there were several of us who were um, rock fans. And there would be books that would just get passed around the security guard locker room. Um, and this was one of them. And um, the subtitle of this is Psychedelic Unknowns, Mad Geniuses, Punk Pioneers, Lo-Fi Mavericks, and more. And um, each chapter, well, there, there are thematic sections of the book um, that are kind of reflected in that subtitle. And then each of those sections has chapters on all these different artists. And I just loved it because it exposed me to all these artists that I never would have known about um, had I not read the book. And it came with the CD. So um, you read about it, you listen to the song, immediately you get it. And I just kind of made a list of some of the people that I learned about through this book. Um, Sid Barrett, I mean, I already knew who he was, but learned a lot more about him. Nick Drake, Lee Hazelwood, Love, Skip Spence, um, Scott Walker, Sandy Denny, Robert Wyatt. Um, there's a band that he talks about in there called The Remains, um, mm -hmm. who were from Boston, and they're one of those Nuggets bands, and they opened the last ever Beatles concert, I mm. guess. And um, they're fantastic. They're great. I don't, you know, it's, it's one of those bands that, you know, how, how does everybody not love this? Um, so that's just a, you know, it's an informational book that exposes you to all these kind of um, unsung weird 
artists. And I've read other books that are similar to that one, but that's, that's the one that really has stuck with me. Cool. That sounds fascinating. I love that kind of stuff. What's it called again? Oh yeah. Um, unknown legends of rock and roll, um, psychedelic unknowns, mad geniuses, punk pioneers, lo-fi mavericks, and more. And, um, since I read it, it's been expanded and re-released. So the, the version that's out there now has even more in it than the one that I read, you know, 10, 15 years ago. Very cool. I feel like I know that name, Richie Unterberger. How do I know that name? Is, is he he's written several Stone other books. Okay. Uh, um, he's written one called Wayfaring Strangers and Urban Spacemen, which I think is kind of along the same lines. And I could be wrong on this, but I think he wrote a book about the year 1965. Mm. Okay. I think I've read other stuff of his. I can't remember for sure. Okay, good one. Baco, what about you? Pick number two. Uh uh, uh bj actually brought it up when we were kind of uh just a little bit ago when we were kind of going over the off off biography kind of books but uh we didn't get into it too much so i think i'm still safe lords of chaos mm. uh I, I i actually just found this shelf randomly you know back when borders books still existed just kind of mm. going through their music section and just reading the dust cover and i decided to buy it on on the spot i think it's a fascinating book uh bj kind of got into how you find out the, that, you know, behind all these scary, you know, metal guys, it's really just kind of a bunch of loner dorks. Um, there is a part where one of the, the two main guys, um, I can't remember, it wasn't Count Grishnok, it was the other dude, the, the one that Rory Culkin plays. Euronymous. Uh, Euronymous, there you go. <laughs> uh, he actually, you know, uh, it, it becomes pretty clear in the book that, that he never really... It was kind of more of a bit, but uh, one of the things that, I don't know, it doesn't make the music more enjoyable by any means, but it, it, you kind of understand it more, um, that literally this stuff was meant to be recorded to, to make you uncomfortable when you listen to it. It was always, it was meant to be recorded poorly. It wasn't necessarily budgetary reasons that they didn't multi-track things, is that Norwegian black metal, uh, by definition, is just recorded like shit and so it, you can't hear these things so when you crank it up it's very abrasive and very kind of in your face um and which i think many eras of rock you know have kind of had their own experience with that whether it be punk metal or a punk or uh thrash metal you know those kind of things this takes it to a different ex extreme like i said it doesn't make the their songs likable if you just listen to it longer you know what i mean you, mm -hmm. you start to get it but I kind of appreciated that, 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 that I, I kind of understood a little bit more. But I thought the story is just, it, it, it's, it's fascinating and, and tragic. You know, they, they did burn a bunch of churches and, and a couple people were killed. And so th also you find out that the Norwegian prison system is very different than the one here in the United States. Uh, you know, uh, uh, Count Grishnok escaped from prison by uh, not coming back when he was given a weekend off. <laughs> yeah, this is the guy who is in prison for uh, 22 years for murder. Uh, mm -hmm. And they're like, well, this is your weekend to go home and visit people. Just make sure you come back by nine on Sunday. <laughs> uh, and that, that's how he escaped from fucking prison. It's just like, yeah, well, maybe they have a, there might be something to it. Who knows? I mean, mm -hmm. I would say we're, we over incarcerate people, but that's not where I'm going with this. I love the book. I thought one of the few times that a book transferred to a movie, pretty well done in the sense of like, they really it's, it doesn't really follow the book other than pull the characters together and tell the story. But the fact that they kind of kept it kind of light and uh, and the characters were, for the most part, believable, I, I enjoyed it. But uh, I mm. would recommend this book. It's, it's a pretty quick read, and, and it's not a story that got a lot of coverage here. Cool. 
Okay. I like that. All right, BJ, what's your second pick? Uh, my second pick is kind of similar to Lane's that, that I remember that unknown heroes book. Have you, do you know the Nick Toshis books, the unsung heroes of rock and roll? And there's a unsung heroes of country music too. Those are really, mm. there's a chapter for a bunch of, you know, just each chapter is about a different, you know, weird figure from the history. Mm. Um, but, but my that second pick. Great. Yeah. Yeah. I actually, uh, Mark Marin recommended that that writer and that's when i first found those books but um going back to before the internet how much more important books were uh this is a book that i got into before I, the internet was really much of a thing called better to burn out the cult of death and rock and roll by dave thompson mm, i have that book yeah i love that book it's just crammed with stories you know dark depressing but also fascinating stories with all the sorted details all the chapters kind of tie together different related people so like you know there's a chapter about eddie cochran and gene vincent and different people and um you know he puts uh sid vicious and darby crash in the same chapter Stuart sutcliffe and brian jones mm. but some of my favorite yeah. chapters like this was the first i ever heard of jabriath was when i read this book so Ooh. the jabriath story is fascinating um and there's a guy named Ramassus who had a couple albums in the 70s that's very interesting. One of the best chapters is about Alex Harvey. So Alex Harvey's brother, Leslie Harvey, was electrocuted on stage. He was mm. played in a band uh, called I... Stone the Crows. Yeah. Right. And then Alex Harvey, you know, he had an untimely death. And then he also puts in that chapter uh, Jacques Brel, his story, because Alex Harvey covered a song by Jacques Brel. So it's a really fascinating book with just just crammed full of interesting stories and details you know there's a whole chapter about ian curtis from joy division there's a grunge chapter where he just goes into andrew wood and uh, mia zapata you know mm. shannon hoon mm -hmm. like everybody's in there it's a really really interesting book cool what about that part at the end of the book where it kind of it's almost like a, a calendar that tells you who died yeah, on what right. days. Right. You know, so, yeah. so instead of finding out like who who you share a birthday with, who died on your birthday, yeah, um, exactly. I thought that was fun. Uh, yeah, yeah, that was fun. Listen to me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that was great. <laughs> cool. Okay. And what's the name of this book again? Uh, it's called Better to Burn Out: The Cult of Death and Rock and Roll. Love it. All right, I like that one too. I haven't read it. I like it. Sounds good. I mean. Yeah. Uh, okay, my number three pick. Since I uh, since uncommon people came up earlier, I'm going to go with something else, and that is the "I Want My MTV" book. Mm -hmm. And um, I don't know if anyone's read this, but it is a. I have. It, it was good. Yeah. It was a blast. Ooh, hey, I listened to the audio book. <laughs> nice. Did you really? Yeah. Huh. Yeah. Wow, that's interesting because it's an oral history. I would think. Yeah. Is it one person reading everyone's quotes or is it yeah. each individual? Okay. Yeah, yeah, I think it's just one narrator. That might I don't know how I'd feel about reading an oral listening to an oral history, but anyway. I, I like um, that style of writing, by the way. There's a handful of books that I didn't uh, include in my top three, but that I think it's a, a really good way to tell, I don't know, certain stories. It works really well. I agree. <clears throat> and um I had the same thought. There's another book that came out a few years ago about Something in the bathroom. You guys probably know this about the New York scene, the strokes. Meet me in the bathroom. That's it. I've been dying to read that book, and I haven't read it yet. And it's apparently an oral history, too. 
Well, but, uh, uh, Lane mentioned the Aerosmith book, which that was my first memory. That's mm-hmm. my first memory of the oral history. Uh, and I loved that book. But actually, so, you know, going back to my cheap trick book, that's kind of the format I'm probably yeah. going to work in a lot is oral history, which, yeah, it's fun. Yeah. Yeah, I think they, uh, another good one would be uh, "Meet Me in the Lactation Room" by John Lamoureux. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I could have read a book. Actually, it's really boring. Ghost written by John Owens. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> it's just me eating leftovers, listening to music, and reading a book. It's pretty boring. But <clears throat> ignoring your wives. Yeah. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Let's bring up the Mormon <laughs> jokes. Okay. Okay. We wouldn't be complete without a Mormon joke here. Thank you. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, yeah, I want my MTV. And let me give some advice. If anyone has not read this book, you will absolutely want to have YouTube handy as you read because um, you'll want to see for yourself all the videos that get brought up. Secondly, um, <clears throat> I'm cheating a little bit, but as a really fun companion piece, the Four living MTV VJs wrote a book called VJ, and it's also an oral history. Mark Goodman, Nina Blackwood, Alan Hunter, Martha Quinn. And uh, that one's a lot of fun, too. And, um, you know, you get to hear, you get to learn a lot from their perspective. And I think what's interesting about them is they all thought that this would sort of lead to stardom for them, and it didn't necessarily. And people like uh, Alan Hunter and Martha Quinn are very open and honest about that. So if you want to go deep on MTV, Check out I Want My MTV and the book VJ, both oral histories, both an absolute blast to read and have YouTube handy when you do it. Uh, okay, Lane, let's hear from you. What's your third pick? Um, I tried to cheat and have a tie for number three. Um, one of them was Fargo Rock City by by Chuck Klosterman. And so I won't say as much about that one and, and let you other two guys, I think, that, that picked that one talk about it as well. Um, but it just hit me where I live because, you know, he was a farm kid growing up in the Midwest as a metalhead. And I was a farm kid growing up in the Midwest as a metalhead, you know. So it was just like this is this is the kind of book I could have written. And um, I just I, I, I identified with him so much that I loved it. And um, I don't really like his writing so much anymore. He's he's gotten too clever by quite a bit, in my opinion. <clears throat> Um, but I think that caught him when he was, you know, not famous yet and didn't become the kind of the academic, I guess, or whatever you would want to say that he's become now. Mm -hmm. Um, the other one, um, that I really like is love is a mixtape by Rob Sheffield. Mm, Yes. And, um, have you read that one? I have. And it's interesting. I was going to mention this because I love reading Rob's, uh, like, essays or whatever in Rolling Stone. I find Mm -hmm. him, his short form writing in Rolling in in a magazine, I should say, Mm -hmm. way more enjoyable than his books. I've read Love is a Mixtape and um, uh, Talking with Girls about Duran Duran or whatever the other Mm -hmm. one's called. Yeah. I read them both and I love them, but there's something about them that almost, I don't know, long form, it feels a little bit to me, like he's trying too hard or something. I can't put my finger on it. But in general, I love Rob. I think he's so funny and interesting. And uh, I've read both those books. I enjoyed them. I just wanted to enjoy them more. Mm-hmm. I would say mixtape is, is the a better mixtape. of the two. Yeah, I I, I agree. Um, I mean, it's just it's such a heartbreaking story. 
he basically he's he's a record geek and a compulsive mixtape maker who meets his dream girl and they live together and you know what seems to be incredible happiness you know making tapes for each other and um the mixtapes the the playlists for the mixtapes are printed in the book as they would be written on a cassette label you know just like we all did when we were kids and made mixtapes um and then she suddenly dies and I, I hope I didn't spoil the book. Doesn't it say that on the cover though, or that's, doesn't he kind yeah. of like, doesn't he let the cat out of the bag pretty early on? Yeah, or if you've read any kind of the review of the, the book, book, you you know, yeah, that she she suddenly dies. But he's just one morning he's making her cinnamon toast for breakfast and she's dead. And um, you know that's that's horrible. But um, great, still, yeah, great book. Yeah, it is. Uh, you're right. I um I love that one. It was the. Duran Duran one that I liked too, that was fun, but was less, less impactful than that one. Um, okay. Let's see. Baco, I think what's your third pick? Well, on the Fargo rock city, I, I will share one thing that, um, I mean, I can basically echo the same, the same sentiment that Lane did that as far as being a small town, I mean, I grew up on a farm, you know, listening to, to kiss, you know, and shit like that, getting into metal and, um, so there's a lot of stuff there, but the one story that I, I always remember from that book is like when he's in his twenties and he's, he's just out, you know, getting drunk with friends or whatever. And he comes home alone, just him and his cat or whatever. And he all of a sudden just decides to go on a uh, deep wasp, you know, dive uh, <laughs> with through, through his cassettes and just get As more hammered. Do. As and, you do. And right. I cannot tell you how many times that similar story played out where you know i just kind of like stumbled home from one of the bars in Oatana, got home to, you know wake up my cat and turn on the fucking stereo and then I, of course drink even more even though i was plenty drunk at the time um and i don't know there, as much as this maybe wasn't the healthiest uh activity of my life looking back <laughs> I, I i have fond memories of it even more so now that i know that i wasn't the only guy sitting alone <laughs> <laughs> going, you know, like, oh, let's put this fucking winger CD in. <laughs> I, you know, I think another thing that I liked a lot about it that just it just hit me now is he liked music. You know, he loved music, but he also loved sports. Yeah, and yeah, there was that there too. I, I could, yeah, I could relate to that too because there, at one time, there was kind of an unwritten rule that you couldn't really like both. Mm. Um, and that was, was another thing that I was able to relate too. to. That helps. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, just, you know, growing up with the basketball hoop outside and, you know, like, you know, you're, you're playing that winger tape while you're shooting baskets after school, mm -hmm. you know, it's just, yeah. I, I could just feel yeah, that all. So I love that. Also mm -hmm. hating Ted Nugent fans and therefore hating Ted Nugent. Mm -hmm. Uh, that came from the, that resonated with that, but, uh, my pick John is going to be, uh, yeah is going to be probably the only salacious one uh, of my pile anyway. And that's the, the book by CK Lent, uh, kiss and sell. This might've been the mm. first book of, uh, of any type like this, that kind of told you the inside story of kiss and what a great read. If anybody hasn't read this, even if you're not a kiss fan, this is a fascinating, uh, tale. It's told by the author's viewpoint. Um, he actually starts working for the band in 1976 and can, continues to do so on a well into the 80s before the Kiss changes management. And there's all sorts of like, I don't know, the, the, the backroom kind of detail stories uh, that you get, you know, and uh, it, it also irked Paul Stanley a little bit. So that that mm -hmm. gives uh, bonus points mm -hmm. on my end. Good. 
Yeah, I haven't read that one. I did read, was it Nothing to Lose? Was that an oral history? Yeah, I read an oral. That one yeah. was. Yeah, that one was kind of fun. I um, Fargo Rock City. I wanted. To, I don't know if you're going to talk about it too, BJ, but I'll just comment on it real quick. That was, as I mentioned earlier, that was a really transformative book for me because, unlike you guys, I grew up in the suburbs, Mormon, and um, you know, I don't know if you guys had this in your schools. You probably did. I think we all did. But there was a very defined. You know, everyone's defined very clearly in their cliques, and mm-hmm. the stoners with the long hair and the Iron Maiden shirts and the jean jackets and the bad acne and like pube mustaches and stuff. They all, you know, I just did not have anything in common with them at all. I was the preppy kid with like my shirt buttoned up to the top and a lot of hair gel and uh, pegged pants and a lot of neon and, you know, lame stuff like that. short too. They were. And I, you know, I have an issue with short people, as you know. So, but anyway, it just was not my reality at all. And so I always equated hair metal, we'll say, with, you know, just kind of the dregs of society. And because I think I was hyper-religious at the time, too, it just, they they were of a package, you know. You were those kinds of peoples. You were stoners. You were dirty. You so, lower on the socioeconomic ladder. You were coming from broken homes you weren't smart you were you Those weren't are the metallica slayer guys well Those are no the metallica slayer guys not the hair metal guys <laughs> well but see that's what i learned that's why this book yeah. was so huge for me because i grew up with that kind of uh judgment i admit it that was totally short-sighted of me i didn't know and then um someone i think gave me a copy of fargo rock city or i may have found it at a garage sale or something like that and i thought sure what the heck i'll read it and to hear Chuck, who I admire a lot, give a very reasonable argument for the artistic merit of that kind of music that I had been slagging off my whole life. It completely changed me around. And uh, I back then, this was before Spotify, so I'm immediately like illegally downloading every album that he's covering in this book. And I fell in love with all of it. And um, and I and you learn that that's of course all my preconceived ideas of judging the people who listen is completely wrong. I know that now, you know, but I didn't then. And so that's why that was such an eye-opening experience for me. And, um, and you know, I don't go as deep as a lot of you guys do. I don't have every Wasp album or whatever. I do like the Headless Children a lot. But um, <laughs> I, uh, I just, you know, I came around. I finally learned the error of my ways. And I learned that there's a lot of great stuff in there that I was... I was turning a blind eye to purposely before. So anyway, that's my Fargo Rock City pick. Uh, anyway, BJ, let's hear from you. What's your third pick? Well, first, let me say I've never been a fan of Chuck Klosterman's writing. Of <laughs> really? course not. <laughs> huh. <laughs> to be the contrarian. Of course uh, you are. Not, not yeah. a fan, honestly. Um, uh, I love him. But the my my last pick... I guess it's sort of in a similar vein, except better. Um, it's, called, <laughs> it's called Bang Your Head, The Rise and Fall of Heavy Metal by David Konow. Now, I had David on my show, and yeah. basically the whole episode was just me with a whole list of stuff from this book saying, <laughs> how do you know this? Where did you find it? You know, is this true? <laughs> a lot of it was me saying, "How are you sure this is true? You know, because uh, this is like... See, may, I... I can't really describe what I don't like about Klosterman, but... Um, he didn't come on your show, I think, is the answer. <laughs> I, w- I wouldn't uh, want him on my show. He could stay Oh, man. 
He come on my show, Chuck. Oh, good. I love Chuck. I mean, there might be, there might be, because I'm really turned off by the cynicism and like elitism towards hard rock and heavy metal. That's what really turns me off. And there's not much of it in this book, but David Kono might have a little bit of it at times. But it's such a fun book because it just, it describes, like it says, the rise and fall of heavy metal. So it starts at like Sabbath and Zeppelin and goes through like Alice Cooper and Kiss to Van Halen. But, you know, the second half or maybe second two-thirds of the book is all 80s. From Ozzy and Motley Crue to Metallica, Doc and Rat, Guns and Roses, Warrant Winger. And it's just filled with wild stories and anecdotes. And there's a lot of the behind-the-scenes kind of business stuff. Like I said, I had a whole list of details from this book that I just wanted to ask him, how do you know this is true? <laughs> or where did you find this? So... But he does, it's all, you know, he's got all the footnotes at the end of his sources and stuff, but it's a lot of stuff you're like, really? Is that true, though? Come on. <laughs> but but it's, it's such a fun book. It's, I mean, this is the kind of book you can just pick up, open to anywhere, and just start reading and just be entertained, you know? Mm. But especially since I'm so interested in this era and this kind of music, it's maybe even more entertaining for me but i don't see how anyone wouldn't be entertained by the book because um I, I love it i really love it cool okay good sounds good all right well let's uh let's just quickly wrap up by going around and throwing out any alternates or honorable mentions that we had kind of in the back of our minds we don't have to go deep on any of these i'll throw out a couple of mine real quick one is uh, a book on the clash called last gang in town I love yeah, that that's book. on my list. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I read that one on my honeymoon. So it always reminds me of sitting by a pool in uh, Cabo San Lucas. And um, I, I, I read Kiss 3 on my honeymoon. Did you really? I got, it as, I got it. Oh, well, Chris, our mutual friend Chris Standish gave it to me uh -huh. as a wedding, a wedding gift. Really? It's, it's actually the copy that Gene Simmons brought to the when he was trying to pitch his, his autobiography to the publisher because Chris worked for a publisher in New York. And yeah. Gene Tibbetts came in for a meeting and he brought this copy of Kistory as a gift. And then oh, Chris wow. ended up giving it to me. So <laughs> <That's> <laughs> cheap ass. Yeah, that's great. Um, so yeah, uh, Last Gang in Town is a good one. Another one I wanted to mention. Uh, so again, I'll do a book on a topic, Last Game in Gang in Town. Or I'm sorry, a uh, biography. An autobiography that's really good is John Taylor from Duran Duran's In the Pleasure Groove. Um, that one is great. And uh, he tells a lot of great stories about if you like Duran Duran, you'll probably love it. And then um, one more that I want to throw out there is called Rip It Up and Start Again. It's by Simon Reynolds. And it's about, this is more my style than some of yours, but it's about um, kind of the bands out of, specifically largely out of Sheffield, England in the early 80s. So like ABC, Human League. What's that? Def Leppard. Uh, not Def Leppard as much. <laughs> we're talking <laughs> Although I do love Def Leppard now, thanks to Fargo Rock City. But um, uh, a lot of the alternative bands, you know, ABC, yeah. uh, Human League, those kinds of bands. And um, I just, I loved it. I ate all that up. I had never read a book on that stuff. Didn't know one even existed. And so it was just like manna from heaven, mainlining all that information. Uh, Lane, quickly, what are some of your honorable mentions? Oh, my gosh. Um I like Springsteen's book a lot. Mm. Uh, Born to Run, um, Warren Zane's Petty, but auto or no biography was good. Um, 
Jimmy McDonough's book about Neil Young, Shaky. Um, Catch a Wave, I think, is the best Beach Boys book uh, by Peter Ames Carlin. Um, I love that replacements book, Trouble Boys. I thought that was extremely well done. Um, Rick Bragg, who is a Southern journalist, wrote a book called Jerry Lee Lewis's Own Story um, just in the last five years or so, which was just amazing. If you want some jaw-dropping stories. Um, so You Want to Be a Rock and Roll Star by Schlichter, you mentioned earlier. Um, I have some country books here, too. I didn't know if we were just limited to rock in this no. discussion. but. Uh, there is a book about the Carter family called Will You Miss Me When I'm Gone? Um, that's amazing. Um, also, Rick Bass is the author. He wrote a book not too long ago, and it's a novel. It's a novelization of the life of the Brown family. Um, and you might know Jim Ed Brown, um, who was the, the, the male singer, and he had a singing trio with his two sisters. And um, one of them was a, a girlfriend of Elvis and so on and so forth. But, mm. um, he wrote, wrote this fictionalized version of their life story, which was really, really good. Um, and there's another one I was going to mention Amanda Petruzic or Petruzic is her name. And she writes a lot for the New Yorker now. And she wrote a book called do not sell at any price. And it's about obsessive 78 collectors. Mm. And I don't know if you've ever seen that movie ghost world. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. with, uh, Steve Buscemi and yeah. that, that's what he is. He, and there's a, a, at least one scene in there where he goes to a party with other obsessive 78 collectors. And it's kind of guys that are probably a lot like us, but even more nerdy, like, um, lots of suspenders and pipes <laughs> and things like that, you know? Well, you gotta see crumb crumb is what you, Oh Ooh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. True. Yeah. Good one. Cause that's and, curious. Uh, we got Terry Zwigoff directed that and him and Crumb, he directed Crumb too and he directed Ghost World and they're, you know, obsessive 78 collectors. That's just Terry Zwigoff just put himself, you know, into that character. Yeah. yeah. But it, uh, but it actually humanizes those guys. Yeah. Um, and um, she becomes one, you know, and she's an unlikely candidate to become one because, you know, she's a young, attractive woman, you know, which isn't really the, <laughs> you know, the, uh, the stereotype, but, uh, but yeah, that one's really good too. Okay. Fun. What about you, Baco? Um, you know, a couple, uh, I think are fun reads. I don't know how good a book they are, but, uh, on kiss anyway, kiss and tell by Gordon gay bear or something like that. Um, he's a, a famous, uh, Facebook troll right now. If you want to friend him, I'm sure he'll accept your request. Uh, into the void was a book about Ace Freely written by his, uh, side action, Wendy Moore, during the 1998 tour um and uh it details a lot of fucked up shit and uh it's worth it alone just to hear the ace freely pyramid masturbating story with a vibrating <laughs> egg um on that on that same note uh, we have to mention motley Crue, the dirt uh it that book is 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 much better than the movie um slash's book is good um, see a little light Bob Mould's uh, autobiography mm. I enjoyed a lot and on that note uh, there's an oral history on Husker Du called uh, Husker Du the story of noise pop pioneers who launched modern rock that is um, uh, a really fun uh, thing to go through and I think if it wasn't clear already I do think people would enjoy the Paul Stanley book mm. okay cool what about you BJ well going back to somebody I've had on my podcast is uh, the author James L. Dickerson 
I had him on about his book, Colonel Tom Parker, The Curious mm-hmm. Life of Elvis mm-hmm. Presley's Eccentric Manager, which goes back to your the Elvis biographies you talked about, John. Yeah. This is an amazing book about who Colonel Parker really was, which was a disgusting grifter and con man <laughs> who weaseled his way into an insanely powerful position in the history of rock and roll and yeah. made a complete mockery of Elvis Presley's career. So it's a... I mean, it exposes everything about Colonel Parker, that he was an illegal alien and his wife was probably a beard and all that kind of stuff. So it's a, mm, I love gosh. that book. Um, wow. And the, read that. Yeah, yeah, it's a great book. Colonel Tom Parker, The Curious Life of Elvis Presley's Eccentric Manager. And uh, the Badfinger book, Without You, is amazing. Mm. And it used to be, it's been out of print for a long time. And it used to be like over 200 bucks. But I looked on eBay last night and a lot of them are selling now for like 50 or 60 bucks so it's not as insanely overpriced as it used to be but that's an okay. amazing book just because it's such an amazing story yeah um there's yeah. a beatles so book that, oh my gosh oh yeah it's so depressing but it's an amazing read um there's a One beatles book. quick thing to say to ubj the yeah. episode you did early on on batterfinger is like some of the best podcast journalism i've ever heard well, so a lot of that is from that book. <laughs> well, uh, you, I figured, but you nailed it. That was one of the most compelling podcasts I've ever heard anywhere, and it was your one, your episode on Badfinger. Well, yeah, they were just completely fleeced by a basically a guy from organized crime who ended up somehow as their manager and stole all their money. And then, you know, Pete Ham was an absolute genius, a complete genius, insanely talented. And he was just, you know, taken advantage of and victimized and victimized and completely destroyed and then committed suicide. So it's a pretty horrible story, but um, it's a great book. There's a Beatles book called Can't Buy Me Love that is really great because the author, he tries to put the Beatles, the story of the Beatles in historical context. So there's a lot of historical context to it and also a lot of kind of the business end. I know, John, you're really interested in, you know, the business right. end of things. Like that Kiss It, uh, what, not Kiss and Tell, what's the, uh, Kiss and Sell, is that the CK? Yeah, like, yeah. Yeah, yeah, like that book, you know, that's, there's so much fascinating behind the scenes stuff in that book about Kiss, about how the whole organization was practically bankrupt and falling apart and all the, you know, terrible decisions that were made <laughs> and everything. So that's, you know, that's a great book, too. Um, I, I'm into true crime, so a couple of kind of true crime-ish books. There's a book called Love and Death, The Murder of Kurt Cobain, which is incredibly entertaining um, with all the shit that went down with Courtney Love and all the hangers-ons and uh, Kurt escaping from a rehab that he didn't need to escape from and <laughs> stuff like that. And uh Recent, more recent book, Killer Show, about the station nightclub fire, the Great White mm. Show. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, man, it's a it's told in excruciating detail, but it's a really, you know, interesting book, uh, just about that whole tragedy. Um, and one last one is a there's a Led Zeppelin book by Mick Wall called When Giants Walk the Earth that is really great because it's one of those books that he goes off on tangents. So, like, you get a 30-page chapter just about Jimmy Page, his flirtations with the occult, and just the mm. story of Aleister Crowley and stuff like that. I really enjoy the book because of the way he goes off on tangents and goes tells this, like, uh, related stories and stuff like that. Um, mm. 
so it's a very detailed book about Led Zeppelin, the albums and the songs, but also there's a lot of other just interesting anecdotes and stuff like that. So fun. Okay. Okay. Hey, John, John, yeah. can I add one more? Yeah, please. I, I, I actually wrote it down because I didn't bring it down with my pile of books. Uh, a really fun book, if you can get past the British Cockney writing, is Fucked by Rock by Zodiac Mind Warp. <laughs> yeah, I have that. Uh, yeah, it's, it, it is. <laughs> You got to kind of soak your way through a couple chapters for us Midwesterners, but once you start realizing what he's saying, it uh, it's a lot of fun. Kind of an inspiration for my own book, I think. But okay, I don't <laughs> yeah, know that one. Uh, that reminds me that we haven't uh, mentioned Julian Gill, who has a lot of great oh, books. Good point. And I did an episode about Zodiac Mind Warp with Julian Gill, which is what reminded me to bring up Julian. Uh, his Def Leppard book is great. His music from the elder book is perfect for the bathroom, and that's a compliment. Yeah, right. You, you just you, 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 because it, it's not a beginning to end; it's, it's also an oral history. But you, you just pick up and start reading what this person had to say about something. Yeah, I, I love that. Um, I only I only have a couple of his books, though, but that one I I, I adore. Excellent, good. Um, okay, well, I think we covered it. Last question, just briefly, what? was the last music book you read and or are reading right now? Lane, let's hear from you first. I'm reading one right now called Going All the Way. And um, I think the subtitle is A Literary Companion to Power Pop. And uh, it's a collection of essays about different power pop bands. So you've got, of course, your big star, Cheap Trick, Jellyfish, uh, Got It By Voices has a chapter in there, Sloan. Um, there's a chapter called Is Weezer Power Pop, where they try to decide. Um, there's a little bit in there in the beginning that tries to make the case that Kiss is a power pop band, especially mm -hmm. on certain albums. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you guys know way more about Kiss than I do, but um, they they made the case that the Wicked Lester material was the most power pop stuff that they ever did. Mm. Um, and okay. you guys you guys can you guys can chew on that but uh <laughs> it it made me want to hear wicked lester so there you go but uh you know there's a chapter on bad finger of course and so i'm i'm really enjoying that one cool bj what about you what book are you reading now or just finished uh right now i'm reading a book about the sex pistols uh american tour mm. uh in what was 78 you know the it was it's called 12 days on the road and because um, actually I'm interviewing a guy tomorrow who opened was in one of the bands that opened because I'm doing going to do an episode about that. Very cool. That Sex Pistols tour. So, uh, yeah. OK, great. Paco, what about you? I'm actually in the middle of finishing three uh, autobiographies. Uh, Michael Sweet, K.K. Downing and Stephen Pierce. I'm sorry. I don't remember what the, the titles of all those books are, but uh, those are out there. And uh, Ron Keel would probably be upset if I didn't mention his book. John, I'll tell you, it's right up your alley because it's about, you know, someone uh, with that never really broke through with that, that career making success, reinventing himself and how he does it basically from before the 80s on to up till now. Um, mm -hmm. I, I think it's a really good book. You might want to check that out just for your show purposes, but uh, I, but though Michael Sweets uh, and K.K. Downing and Stephen Piercy's Books are all about, I don't know, two-thirds done on my Kindle. I don't know why I jump around, but I do. Cool. Okay. Uh, and lastly, I'm almost, I'm about to hopefully finish today the Beastie Boys book, which is an absolute blast. It's almost it? like a, yeah, it's more like, it's almost like a scrapbook. It's, um, it doesn't read, you know, narratively. It's, 
each guy kind of takes a chapter is even a strong term, maybe a couple of pages, lots of pictures, lots of drawings. Um, you hear from other people. I love the Beastie Boys book. It's fantastic. And then I also just finished a book on David Bowie called Strange Fascination. And um, as most people know, David Bowie is my number one favorite musician ever. And um, I've never read a book of his or on him because there are so many and I didn't want to read all of them. I just wanted to pick one and stick to it. And this one I happened to buy at a HMV when we were in London three years ago. And um, I just read it finally recently and it's great. It's super dense. It'll take you a while, but it just goes through the whole thing. And I, and I loved it. You, you probably have to be a Bowie person to care about it though. Hmm. Anyway. Okay, guys. Well, this is it. This was, uh, is everyone, uh, did you guys enjoy this conversation? Did we do okay? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I have especially a whole the, list of especially books the I want to read now. Part. Yeah. <laughs> I took notes on books I'm interested in getting, so. Good, yeah, right. too, yeah. Good. Um, Based on my but, reading pattern, I have about three decades worth of new material to get into. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> That's it. Yep. Well, thanks, everybody. Thank you guys for doing this with me. I have a lot of respect for all three of you. And um, so it means a lot to me that you guys would give me some of your time to discuss this. I am so grateful. Thank you. Thank you. Anytime. Thanks, John. All right.